Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And all the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. For they did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broken, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Disciples, the two Emmaus disciples walking on the road that afternoon, cannot be blamed for not recognizing Jesus. The scripture makes it clear that he was hidden from their sight. It, so, it sounds as if God himself, Jesus himself, re stopped them from recognizing him. What they can be blamed for, and what Jesus indeed rebukes them for, is the same thing that Jesus often rebukes us for as well. Not that they didn't recognize him with their eyes, but that they didn't recognize him by faith. They didn't see him in the scriptures. The word of God, which they had grown up reading and which they known intimately, 
did not reveal to them the Christ who would come and die for the sins of the world. Luke 24, 25, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus purposely hid himself bodily from their eyes so that they did not recognize him in order that they might learn to see him by faith through God's word first. Indeed, in many of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, we see the same call from Christ to his disciples to open up their eyes and to see him by faith rather than to see him in the body. Remember when Jesus appeared to Mary and he told her, do not cling to me. He was telling Mary that he was soon going to be departing and that she had to learn to cling to him by faith through the word because very soon she would not be able to touch him with her hands. Jesus revealed himself to Thomas. After a week of Tom, Thomas doubting, Jesus said there as well, blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas would not believe because of the scriptures. He would not believe because of the words of the other apostles. He had to see it for himself. And Jesus reminds us those who are blessed who have learned to see him by faith and not by sight. And of course, the angels. After the apostles saw Jesus ascend into heaven, the angels came down and said to the apostles, why are you still gazing into heaven? You're not going to find him there. In other words, go and seek him by faith through his word instead of looking with your eyes up into heaven. Jesus revealed to the Emmaus disciples in our text that all of Scripture, every word of it, reveals Christ to us. Every word of it is written about him. And if we would see Jesus, if we would walk with him, as the Emmaus disciples walked with him, if we would find Jesus, we must seek him in every word of Scripture. The picture on the front of your bulletin this morning is one that is familiar to many of us. It's probably one of the top ten, maybe even one of the top five uh, famous biblical paintings. It's a favorite. And it's really not hard to understand why it is one of our favorite biblical paintings because it shows that idyllic scene of the two disciples walking with Jesus on a sunny April afternoon. April afternoons aren't always the best here in Wisconsin, but in Israel it was probably you know, the perfect temperature and talking for two hours as they walked to Emmaus, listening to Jesus expound the scriptures. How much we would like to dive into that picture and be one of those disciples. I know you guys probably wouldn't like it if I gave you a two-hour sermon, but I think we would all appreciate two hours of walking and talking with Christ. The truth is, there's nothing stopping us from being one of those apostles. There's nothing stopping us from walking with Jesus and hearing him expound to us how all the scriptures foretell him. We can go back and start with Moses, as Jesus did with those Emmaus disciples, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and see how every word portrays Christ. 
There are many accounts uh, in the Old Testament, in the first five books of Moses, that are very obviously talking about Jesus. Isaac, who was sacrificed on the very spot where Jesus later would be sacrificed for the sins of all people and was thus a symbol pointing people forward to Christ. The bronze serpent in the wilderness who was lifted up and all who looked upon that bronze serpent were saved from the poison of the snakes just as Jesus was lifted up and all who looked to him received forgiveness of sins and salvation. The temple, which was the place where God came to meet with his people, to give them the word and the sacraments, to bless them, to remind them of his promises. The temple which is Jesus in whom God comes among men, gives us his word, his blessing, lives and walks and dwells with us. Jacob, who saw the the stairway to heaven, which Jesus himself later refers to and reminds us that he is the only way, the truth, and the life, the way to God. There are many others, of course, that are maybe not so obvious. Like in Genesis chapter 3, when God makes skins, out of an animal for Adam and Eve. And if we stop to think about it, we realize that it's a picture of Jesus, just as God covered their nakedness. So Jesus covers the nakedness of our sin with his death. Abel, who offered a sacrifice that was acceptable to God because Abel saw in the sacrifices that he brought, not a good work which he did for God, but a Reminder of Christ who would come and die for him. He saw Jesus in those sacrifices, and therefore they were acceptable to God. A flood that destroyed all the wicked men at that time and gave new life to the earth, just as Jesus' death destroys the sin and wickedness in us and brings new life to us through the waters of baptism. Or that time when God brought water out of the rock to quench the thirst of the Israelites. And Jesus reminds the Samaritan woman that he will give water springing up into everlasting life. If we would find Christ, if we would walk with Christ as the Emmaus disciples did, we must seek him in every word of Scripture. Every verse we study, we want to ask ourselves, how does this verse portray Christ? What does this verse teach me about Jesus? It's very popular these days to search the scriptures and asking questions like, how is this relevant to me? What does this have to do with my life? Why should I care about this? But the purpose of scripture is not to give us our best life now or to provide us with ten steps to a perfect marriage. Scripture does have a lot to say about our lives, and it does have a lot to say that's very relevant to us and does help us out in our daily life. That's not its main purpose, is it? As Jesus reminds the Emmaus disciples, its purpose is to reveal Christ so that we can walk with him, so that we can learn to see him by faith, so that we can learn to grasp and hold on to him as Jacob grasped and held his promise and would not let the Lord go until he received his blessing. We receive this and so much more when we seek to find Jesus in every word of Scripture. We desire to walk with Jesus. 
That's why we're here at church, right? I don't know why you come to church if you don't have that desire to walk with Jesus. And the truth is, the opportunity is right there in front of us. And we just often forget or don't recognize what is right in front of us. Apple has been advertising a lot, at least I've seen a lot of advertisements for the new romantic comedy that they produced and released on their, their streaming platform. And, you know, advertisements work. You keep seeing enough advertisements encouraging you to watch something and eventually give in and watch it, right? We watched it the other night. It's cute. It really wasn't that well written, though. It really wasn't that great of a movie. It was, you know, the jokes weren't, really weren't that funny, but we don't really expect that much out of romantic comedies, do we? We don't, we don't really usually watch romantic comedies because they're the best uh, at writing. We watch them because we want to see the guy and the girl walking away hand in hand into the sunset. We want to believe in true love. We want to, to, to believe in happy endings. And we have a tendency to think that they're harder to find in real life than in movies. Truth is, they're not that hard to find. God has given all of us meaningful relationships, even if we're not married, friends and families that, that love us. I'm not saying that marriage isn't hard and relationships aren't hard. They often are. Most of the time, it's our own fault. 90% of the, the problems in marriage and in relationships are problems that we have created, and then we have to work hard to fix. If we would just open our eyes, we would just recognize and appreciate what God has given us in our friends, family, and spouse instead of always looking at the negatives, you probably see that they're right there in front of us. Much like the typical leads in any romantic comedy, we often fail to recognize and appreciate what is right in front of us. The same thing is true about the account of the Maus disciples. We read that account, we see that picture, we wish we could be them, and the truth is, we can be, very easily. God has given us that opportunity in his word. And Jesus promises us that he is walking along with us every day of our life. The Confirmation Kids, recently we've been studying the Lord's Prayer, and particularly we just went through the first petition, Hallowed be thy name. How does Luther explain what does this mean? How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when, God, when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as children of God live a holy life according to it. If Luther is explaining how God's name is kept holy, why does he talk about the word of God? Well, again, the answer should be obvious. Because the name of God and the word of God are the same thing. Every word of scripture reveals to us who Christ is. If we want to know him, if we want to know his name, we search the scriptures and ask ourselves, how does this reveal Jesus? Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. In our text, Jesus first opens their eyes of faith through his word so that they might learn to know him through the word by faith. And then, only after they've learned to see him by faith, does he open their eyes 
so that they could see him physically. Dr. Arthur just points out that that phrase, their eyes were opened, is the same phrase that's used in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve fall into sin. Their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. Because of their sin, their eyes were opened, not by faith to see God, but through sin to know and see sin. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, reverses that process, doesn't he? Our eyes, which before only knew our sinfulness and the sinfulness of the world around us, are now opened through his word, by faith, to see God. We learn to see him by faith now on this earth, and the day is coming when we will see him also with our eyes and behold him in his resurrected glory in that life which is to come. The account of the Emmaus disciples, while it's obviously a real, true event that really did happen, is also a parable for the history of the world, isn't it? This is what happened. That men went around walking and talking with each other, thinking ourselves wise and learned, discussing philosophy and what we think about God, just like the Emmaus disciples did. But then God came in the person of Jesus Christ, unrecognized as who he was, but came and dwelt among us and revealed God's word to us and taught us things that we would never have thought possible, never considered on our own. Namely, that the Christ must suffer and die and rise again so that through him we might be forgiven and open our eyes through faith, just as he opened the eyes of these apostles. It's a parable of the history of the world. It's a parable of the history of our life. Jesus rebukes them as he also rebukes us for being slow to see him in Scripture. But then he opens our eyes and walks with us each and every day. You want to have a good marriage or relationship? Remind yourselves of all that God has blessed all that God has given and blessed you through that person instead of always looking at the negatives. You want to start the day out right? Go to God's word and remind yourself that Jesus is walking with you today, even if you can't see him with your eyes. You want to find Jesus? Search the scriptures, looking for every word that reveals Christ, and who he is, and what he has done for you. In scriptures, we learn to know and understand who he is and that he is walking with us. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.